Welcome to episode three of our first ever adventure through the Star Wars universe. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. And I know nothing about Star Wars, but that's all about to change. Today, we're using the Force as we finish discussing A New Hope. Joining me today is Alex of Star Wars Explained. Welcome, Alex. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I am really excited to talk to you, to talk to someone who is experiencing Star Wars for the first time, uh, just to get your take on it. Because I, I, yeah. this is like 30 years of fandom for me, and I, I really want to <laughs> hear someone's brand new takes. To give you like a overarching view at this point, my take is that I'm having fun so far. So I think that's, you know, so far so good. We'll see what happens with the rest of, you know, I'm only like one tenth of the way through yeah. the movies, I think. So <laughs> <laughs> a, a little less than that, but yeah. Okay, less than that. Great. Yeah, I'm still not good on my math of how many movies. There's, hang on, there's the, there's the, this trilogy, and then the sequel trilogy, and the prequel trilogy. So that's nine. And then there were like two more spinoffs. So that's 11. Uh, and if you technically want to go with theatrically released films, there is uh, the Clone Wars 2008 movie. Oh, I didn't know <laughs> that people are holding out on me. Okay, I got to add that one into the schedule then. Um, yeah, I am hoping to do all the like theatrical released movies. So that's a good one then to add in. And yeah, we'll see if it op that could open a whole new can of worms because then oh, you might get hooked into the Clone Wars series. Yeah, I've heard about <laughs> I've heard about the TV show. Um, and that yeah, that's definitely where like it kind of has like a snowball effect. Because then you get into the shows and I hear there are they're like, books and novelizations oh, yeah. as well and um i i've said that i am just gonna try and stick to like the main movies like theatrical releases because i think otherwise i would just be so overwhelmed right. um yeah one step and then at maybe a time. mandalorian because that's one that's kind of like stuck out in pop culture recently mm -hmm. <laughs> so tell me a little you said you've uh been in this fandom now you know for 30 years you've been a fan tell me and the listeners a little bit about how you first got introduced to star wars yeah uh the way i remember it i'm from atlanta and uh, the olympics were going to be here in 1996 and in the build-up to that i want to say it was 94 95 uh they were building like th this big Olympic Park downtown and so we went to visit it and I don't know why I now I suspect we visited around the time of a convention called Dragon Con that I go to all the time now but it's a big sci-fi fantasy con and someone was walking around dressed as Darth Vader that's all I really remember uh, and I asked my dad like what's that about who is that and he just started to describe Darth Vader to me and what movie he was from. And I was like, well, that sounds like something I'd like to see. Mm -hmm. And and then he lit up and was like, okay, great. And we went home. I was going to say, that's like every dad's dream, <laughs> I'm sure. Especially like dads from the 70s and 80s uh, who like grew up watching this kind of stuff and are just waiting to pass it on to their children. <laughs> yeah. So so we went home and he had it taped off of TBS or TNT or something. And I we, we watched it with all the ads and commercials and everything. Uh, and I immediately was floored and fell in love with it. And then I just like watched it every day for the rest of that summer. And uh, that maybe they regretted showing it to me at that point. But I, 
they, they let me just watch a new hope over and over and then were eventually like i guess we should just get him the tapes and maybe tell him there's two other movies because <laughs> i i think they let me write it out for a while until they were like here's the empire strikes back and here's return oh of the they Jedi. just let you think it was a new hope and like that was it i mean yeah they were they i was happy to burn myself out on it and so they were like i guess we'll just let him do that that's pretty that's pretty awesome and and super cool that um something as simple as you know, a cosplayer at a mm-hmm. at a Comic Con, you know, at a convention was was enough to pique your interest. Um, I know there are a lot of um, I have a lot of followers and listeners who are into that stuff, and of course, I like you know I collaborate with a lot of creators who do cosplay. So I'm sure that's like exciting for them to hear that you know even something as simple as you walking around a con in a costume for something that you love could get someone interested and and get them into the same things that you love. Exactly. Uh, I love that about cosplay. And Dragon Con is just this huge cosplay convention. I'm someone who has not really dived into that, but I always have aspirations to. One year, I'll actually make a costume, like a real legit one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the most I ever do is... Uh, I, I'm one of those people that when it comes to Halloween, I refuse to just go to like Spirit Halloween and buy a costume. I'm like, no, I have to piece it together myself. And so like, I love going thrifting and like pulling things together for a costume. But that's the extent that I've ever done. Uh, no, nowhere near like the costumes that I come up with are kind of, you know, ratty, definitely budget looking. Definitely, you could tell I piece it together from a thrift store. So yeah, props to all the people who are able to piece those together and who go to these cons. I've never personally been to a con because I think I would be overwhelmed and uh, anxious. And so I don't think it would be a great place for me. But um, yeah, they just look like so much fun and such like a fun expression of creativity. I love conventions. We uh, we don't do a ton throughout the year. Uh, Dragon Con we do every single year and Star Wars Celebration we've done uh, since 2017 and it, it's just a good reminder that like you can get offline and just celebrating the things that you love with people in person is way more fun and way more representative of what fandom can be than what i found it to be online that's so true yes um especially uh my you know impressions of the star wars fandom as an outsider uh are you know i've not heard great things so it is great to connect with the people that do make the fandom great um and a great reminder that like the people who are out there bringing negativity into it it's just you know it's usually a smaller group of people with loud voices and so the people who are going to be positive and have a good time are more likely, you know, to be the ones who want to go to cons. So that's a really great point. Yeah, that you get to meet those people in person. We'll uh, dive right in now to our movie discussion. We are wrapping up A New Hope today. When we last left our heroes, um, I always feel like I start these episodes like that. Um, They had just escaped the trash compactor very scary and um suspenseful obi-wan is still sneaking around the ship going to shut off the tractor beam so that they can escape i have no idea why no not one person was like who's that guy in the obvious jedi robes He is in, he's wearing a very, very conspicuous outfit. And those robes, as I understand it, are like very 
representational of like the other side of people that like the stormtroopers and Darth Vader are not a part of. (laughs) Yeah, uh, that that's something I laugh about every time. Like he's just kind of running from one side of the hallway to the other and it's, it's, very, like, it's a little not, cartoonish yeah a little like hidden. scooby-doo of like hiding behind walls i i think that we can chalk that up to you he's using the force to redirect uh everyone's gaze and Good he's point. just kind of walking by them uh <laughs> but to be fair he does he does do that at one point there are like two stormtroopers which side note i love moments like this where you see like the henchmen just like at their job and they're just like having like off they're it's like they're chatting at the water cooler and one of them is like what's going on i don't know i think it's another drill and i don't know that's just always amusing to me there were some elements of this um in the lord of the rings books with like frodo and sam overhearing the orcs and mordor and just the idea that like these are you know, we see them for half a second and we're getting shot at by them, but they're just like doing their job. <laughs> yeah, uh, the, there's a little there, there's a line from those stormtroopers in particular that uh, as you keep your Star Wars journey going is just going to come back. So you like keep an ear out for just one little Easter egg that'll continue to pop up. Ooh, okay, yeah. It is really fun to like pay attention to like the background lines that like people are just dropping in to like fill in, you know, the space and the sound and everything and make it more realistic. Um, it is fun to like hear the things that like pop up. Um, there's another moment that I will call out later on. Um so yeah, he successfully he shuts down the tractor beam. Um the the gang, as I as I'll call them, I guess, um, eventually gets split up because Han he like goes store he goes storming into a troop of stormtroopers, <laughs> which is a terrible way for me to phrase that. Um, but like he literally just he like screams and goes like running after them to like draw them away from Leia and Luke. Um, and I I love his chaotic energy. Just he's quite a fun character what a maniac what the f- <laughs> that's i i view han as someone who uh I, i'm kind of new to the D world but i'm playing dungeons and dragons with my friends but i've just like han solo is someone who constantly tries the dumbest things and and rolls a 20 yes. on it he rolled a 20 on his intimidation and those stormtroopers went running. Uh, but then eventually, that's they're a just... great way to explain <laughs> yeah. it. I love that. Uh, but but then they they're just like, wait, why are we running from this one dude? <laughs> and decide to turn around. And uh, I I always loved that moment. Yeah, he yeah he like gets to the end of the hall, and there's a room full of stormtroopers, and he kind of like screams at him again, and then he turns back around, and Chewie has been like standing <laughs> a little bit behind him, like peeking around the corner to see what's going on and then han just comes running back towards him um yeah an an agent of chaos if you will that that's one of those special edition changes i always remember that in the original cut it's just those stormtroopers who i think hit a dead end and turn around uh but for the special edition they changed it so that han like charges into a full hangar of troopers and tie fighters and officers and uh i i think i've I was always partial to just the those five troopers deciding, hold on, we can take this guy. And we, turn yeah, we <laughs> could do this. Um, so Luke and Leia are running away as well. Um, and they like reach a bridge that hasn't been 
like the platform is missing. Um, and then this is when I like really start to pay attention to I didn't I didn't intend to start this conversation, by the way, being like, we're really going to go in on these stormtroopers. Um, but they're not good at their job. Um, this is definitely like, you know, exhibit A, because Luke and Leia are literally standing there with their backs to them for several seconds before they like turn around and realize that they're there. And the stormtroopers easily could have gotten a shot in on them. And, and I mean, like the answer is that Leia and Luke and everyone have plot armor and they're just, they're not going to get hit Unless it's like meant to be, you know, a big plot point at some point in the future. Um, But yeah, the stormtroopers so far not impressing me. Um, I will not be giving them a a very good performance review. It's always fun when you hear the line from Obi-Wan early in the movie uh, where they kind of stage the Jawa massacre as if Tusken Raiders did it. But Obi-Wan says, oh, only stormtroopers are so precise. And then the rest of the movie, they're not hitting anything. Yeah, anything, yeah. <laughs> there is the argument to be made, I will in this movie specifically, that they let them escape. And they were just trying to kind of... That is, oh, that is true. So there is that for this movie, but, you know, it's also... We're not sure how accurate that can be in, in the future. It's a running joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, a weird moment with the the sound mixing throughout the entire movie has kind of been all over the place at least in in the version that I've been watching on Disney Plus where in one line it'll sound like a character is in like an old-timey like microphone almost mm. um and then like the next ca- the character you know in the scene with them will say their line and it'll be like crystal clear like it was recorded in 2020 well it's 2024 now um you know with like updated technology and everything and then this is definitely like the weirdest instance of of this like sound mixing issue cuz Leia says something like you need to um, find the control to fix the bridge. And it sounds like she's in a canyon. And it's because like her voice is like echoing off of the doorway or in the like spaceship or whatever. But then Luke says his line and it sounds totally normal. And then like the rest of her lines are normal too. So that's definitely something that like I've been noticing throughout uh, watching it. That's funny. I don't think... I've ever noticed that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I can definitely hear her voice echoing when it has that wide shot. Uh, But I maybe I've just seen it so many times that my brain goes into default. Like, it's also it's also just like someone with uh, coming into it with like, obviously, like, I know that this was made in the 70s on a shoestring budget. Mm -hmm. And I know that like, it's been, um, you know, it's been touched several times since it was made to like, you know, fix things up here and there as much as they can um but definitely like going into it with this you know modern day mindset and knowing what like movies look and sound like today versus like what this is looking and sounding like I definitely am picking up on those things I think more than um and like I also I had that experience as well when I was watching the Lord of the Rings movies where I was like the Balrog looks like it's a villain on like a 3D ride at Universal Studios and everyone got mad at me for that. And I'm like, I'm sorry, it looks like a graphic that was made in the 90s, you know, so. Um, That's hilarious because 
literally the past three days, my wife and I, we, we rewatched the Lord of the Rings every New Year's Day. Uh, and we got to the Balrog and I was like, still holds up, still looks great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, it's pretty, I mean, like, it's pretty impressive for what, uh, you know, they were able to do in that time with the technology that they had. But uh, yeah, it's definitely just that like modern mindset of like coming into it and never, you know, never having seen it before. And, and it's not that and I won't say like, oh, this is bad or good. It's just, you know, a movie that was made in the 70s. And so right. it has some of these, you know, older you know, it's sometimes it shows its age a bit, at least for me. <laughs> it's one of the it's so wild to think about. And I feel like I'm fortunate that I saw it when I was young, uh, before, you know, modern CG had really come into its own. It was like still finding its footing with um, I, Jurassic Park was the big one, but I don't think I had seen it at that age yet. Uh, but to be in the theater in the 70s, like I can't imagine Mm. just how blown away everyone was and now like you watch it and i'm like these are very simple shots for the most part but people had just never seen anything like that especially with the opening sequence and the star destroyer everything with the dog fighting we're gonna see later on at the death star people were just like how did they do this oh yeah definitely also like another thing that is worth mentioning about like the time that it was made versus like watching it now so some stormtroopers come on like the other side uh, of of where Luke and Leia are, and they're shooting at them from a platform above. And Leia shoots one of them down, and it's a Wilhelm scream. Oh, Wilhelm! There you go. Beautiful. It was a Wilhelm. Um, but the Wilhelm was starting to be. It, it was like created as a sound in the fifties, and then it was like this inside like Easter egg joke basically with sound designers and sound editors for years. And so it wasn't until, you know, like the internet and modern ages now that like we know to look for the Wilhelm scream. And so like, that's just like a fun little Easter egg to always see in movies. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I believe this was the first movie that kind of kicked it off as being a joke. Uh, because you're right it is it was, very like out of place yeah yeah it, it, <laughs> it, it was originally uh i think ben bird has told the story that it, it was from a movie where someone gets eaten by an alligator and that's the scream he lets out mm -hmm. then later there was a western where a character named wilhelm got shot in the leg with an arrow and they used that sound effect but uh Ben Burt knew to ask whatever studio had it they were like I i'm looking for a sound of someone getting eaten by an alligator and they were like, here, here's what we have. And he was like, that's exactly what I want. <laughs> so I, I believe Star Wars kind of started that trend mm -hmm. uh, because you hear it in a lot of adventure movies. Yeah, I believe it appears. Uh, it, it appears in the Lord of the Rings trilogy several times, which is just so funny because like you're watching Helm's Deep and then all of a sudden there's the Wilhelm and yeah. <laughs> I think Return of the King has it three times. And yeah, I'm like, so many times. That's a little much. <laughs> it was so excessive. They're like one for every hour of this movie. <laughs> so uh, Darth Vader is standing in the hallway very ominously and Obi-Wan kind of turns the corner and sees him. And we know finally this is, you know, this is the confrontation. This is a battle for the ages. Um. This 
was really interesting to watch to see and I'm inter- and I'm like interested and I look forward to seeing how like the dueling and like the fight choreography and everything um progresses from like here even like even between like just this first trilogy um because nowadays like fight choreography and duels like everything is so over the top and you know I mean like the concept of fight choreography is is very much a thing. Um, and so I'm interested to see how like that evolves throughout these movies, because this is like a very simple duel that they have where honestly, like you de- like I definitely would be able to have this same duel and do the same moves like with my like friends or like my brother growing up playing like playing with lightsabers or something you know like this is something you can reenact yourself um so it's very simple but um this is like the first time that we're seeing a duel with two lightsabers and like the sounds clashing and Darth Vader and Obi-Wan are talking and exchanging important plot points that I believe will come up in the future um, so it's like very simple, um, just so that we can like focus in on like the dramatics of everything. Yeah, it, it's cool to think about again the the first Star Wars movie, the first time we had a lightsaber duel, and they didn't know how they were going to do it. The original plan was to do it all in camera, so you can actually see like a little cable going from Alec Guinness's uh, lightsaber into his sleeve because they were using rods that would kind of light up and spin and they were hoping it would produce a glow in the camera and it just didn't really work. But I imagine that those were just kind of uh, more delicate weapons. So <laughs> when they were hitting each other, they probably couldn't do anything crazy. Oh yeah, top. that is true. Yeah, they had to be like really gentle with them. <laughs> and I, I know I've heard stories about David Prowse, the guy who played Vader, uh, breaking several of them. And they were like, could Oof. you please relax? <laughs> but uh, I think it just comes down to, yeah, they they didn't know how they were going to pull it off. And it wound up having to all be done in post-production, which I imagine took forever. Like nowadays, I can make a lightsaber fight and mm-hmm. I can probably knock it out much faster than they did in the 70s. <laughs> but back then they were like, I guess we have to do this all uh, in VFX after the fact. I know, yeah. And of course, you know, to be fair, nowadays we have as much, you know, technological power in our pockets as they did in like all of the cameras that they used combined, you know. <laughs> but yeah, what what did you think about their relationship? I'm I'm curious about what what kind of background do you think they had together? Who Obi-Wan and Darth Vader? Mm-hmm. I mean, definitely they seem to be adversaries. Um they so they both use the force. So, and I'm trying to remember of of what Obi-Wan was telling Luke about like how his father was killed, but also we know that Darth Vader is Luke's father. Um that's the one thing I do know. Okay. You know? <laughs> I should I should add that okay. at the start of like like I do know it's Darth hard Vader to, is Luke's it's hard father. to avoid yeah. that at this point. <laughs> I do know that one. If I had not known that, I that would have been pretty amazing. Um, I would love to know like what it would be like to to experience that twist, like like that genuine twist, like the audiences did, you know, in the seventies, and not have that you know knowledge already going into it. Mm-hmm. Um. So 
I imagine that Darth Vader, so Darth Vader is Luke's father and Obi-Wan tells him that his father was a Jedi who was killed by Darth Vader. So I imagine that Luke's father was a Jedi who went dark and became uh, and became Darth Vader. And and so Obi-Wan had there had to have been some kind of, you know, split between them where well, then that's what. See, that's what I'm I get confused about is whether and I'll have to, you know, see later, does Obi-Wan know who Darth Vader actually is? Or does he like does he genuinely believe that Darth Vader killed Luke's father? Like, does he know? Because then I'm like, who does he think Darth Vader is? But clearly, yeah, there's this history between them from I imagine when they were like younger Jedi's and Darth Vader made some kind of a decision to, you know, go to the dark side. And Obi-Wan didn't agree with that. <laughs> so that's, uh, yeah, as best I can piece together at this point. But I'll but, just but smile like, and nod for now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's all you can do. Um, but like, clearly they have some kind, they definitely have like a pre like established connection because when they get like taken into the ship, Darth Vader keeps talking about how he can feel a different presence. He can feel the presence of Obi-Wan. And at first he's not sure who it is, but he's like some there is a very strong presence of the Force here. And maybe that could also be Luke because later on in this in this sequence Darth Vader says about Luke the Force is strong with this one. So maybe he was also feeling Luke's presence, but yeah, definitely getting like a storied, you know, history between Obi-Wan and Darth Vader. During this battle, Obi-Wan says, like, if you destroy me, I will become, I'll, I'll be much more powerful. And I'm like, okay, so clearly, I, I want to be clear that, like, from from the moment Obi-Wan Kenobi died, the first time I saw him die in this movie, I was like, well, he's obviously not dead. <laughs> he's going to come back at some point. Um, and I'm thinking, you know, about Gandalf the Grey coming back as Gandalf the White. And so I am very much expecting that to happen at some point in the future, but especially like because of this line saying, you know, even if you defeat me, you'll make me more powerful. Um, just dropping like those little bits of it's so it's so funny how I'm I'm so confident being like, well, this is obvious foreshadowing. Um, and if he doesn't come back, then I guess I was just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that's well, what they call a, a red herring i guess then it, it's interesting uh well first of all you're doing everything that every star wars fan does so you're you're on the right track like star wars fans over analyze everything and you know especially that is true especially the original trilogy and the prequels uh you know when those were the only movies out and yeah there were still books and comics but people just love to go back and theorize about every little thing that was said and then i think that just got ingrained into our dna so now we do it as if like everything is a clue for what's to come mm -hmm. uh which is usually not the case but it's fun uh nowadays um but i in when they were making a new hope uh they didn't know it was necessarily going to be a trilogy and an ongoing series uh i i, I don't think lucas you know was necessarily I don't think he knew everything that he wanted to do. For example, mm -hmm. uh, Vader being Luke's father. I, I don't believe that was his plan from the start. Oh, that's true. That's a good thing to to keep in mind and remember that like in this movie, as he's writing it, 
George Lucas probably he when he wrote, you know, Obi-Wan saying Darth Vader killed your father. He was like, yeah, that's exactly what happened. Not knowing what would what he would come up with later. So, yeah, just, yeah. like that that really only matters for a new hope because <laughs> yeah, after it then, became a yeah, smash hit. Else. <laughs> yeah, then they were like, now we have sequels and they planned things a little more. Yeah, this was the big, you know, the biggest box office hit and for, you know, so I think I I, I read a fact that like it was at at the time like it was the biggest box office hit basically like since Gone with the Wind, like extremely extremely popular. So they're like, let's for sure do more of these. <laughs> um, and like, I'm also I'm coming from Tolkien world where every single possible detail about Middle Earth and the Ring and elves and dwarves, like every potential detail was written down and created. Mm. And so maybe I need to retract some part of that and maybe go a little more surface level with with star maybe especially with this like original trilogy of star wars yeah that that's a really interesting comparison and when you read about how lucas planned and made star wars it's very interesting because he i i think he had a lot of ideas and then he just kind of reined himself in to tell a much more personal story but in his original notes like you'll see stuff pop up way down the line that you're like oh he had that idea in 1974 and he finally got to execute it. He figured out how to use it. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, the gang is running. They're all running away from their stormtroopers. Again, this was a this is another moment of um, the stormtroopers being bad at their jobs because they're chasing Han and Chewie. And one of them yells out, like, close the blast doors. And they close the doors. And then Han and Chewie slip through them. And the stormtroopers are caught on the other side. And then they say, open the blast doors. <laughs> So that one just uh, that one just got me a little bit. <laughs> they all kind of reunite. They're waiting. They're looking at the Millennium Falcon, figuring out what to do because um, there are all these stormtroopers standing around guarding it. it. It's really funny how they see like the battle going on with Darth Vader and Obi Wan, and they're like, "Should we go help? Yeah, we should probably go. Help. We should go help. That's our boss. We should probably go help them." <laughs> And so they like all they they go over there. Um, C-3PO and R2-D2 have been hiding out and they're like, now's our chance. So they go on their way over there. Obi-Wan and Luke make eye contact and Obi-Wan holds his lightsaber up and like closes his eyes. And then Darth Vader comes in with like the killing killing question mark blow and instead of being like cut to pieces, he just disappears in like a puff of smoke. Not really a puff of smoke. And his like robes fall on the floor. What the? <laughs> what is happening? Okay, if you strike me down, I will Hang on. How did he? How did he just disappear? I'm really wondering what, and again, these are things that I, I guess I will learn in future movies. What was he thinking in this moment? Because like if his goal was to just provide like a distraction so that the rest of them could escape, he was already doing that successfully. Like he didn't have to sacrifice himself in order for them to escape. And then, like, it immediately becomes counterproductive because Luke screams out, no, and draws their attention over to them again. 
<laughs> defeating the purpose of any kind of distraction that Obi-Wan had been causing. <laughs> uh, I- I'll go with Obi-Wan may have known that Luke wouldn't have left without him. That mm. Luke probably wouldn't have left him behind. And so I guess that's all I can say. <laughs> that's a no, that's a great response. That 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 checks out. That makes sense to me. Yeah. Immediately we hear a distant voice um in Luke's ear saying, Run, Luke. And so Obi-Wan's already talking to him via the force, I guess. Hang on, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I swear to God, if Obi-Wan comes back, is Obi-Wan the white? (laughs) This does have, this does have exact, like, immediately post-Moria energy. He's more depressed about Obi-Wan than his parents. Yeah, oh, no. There's one point where... They use the Star Wars, like, main Star Wars theme in, like, a much slower, like, more somber version almost. And I'm like, they really... Oh, I think it was earlier, maybe. Um, But yeah, John Williams wrote, like, two themes for this movie, and they said, we're going to use them every minute of this movie. We're going to just keep reusing them. Um, Because the main Star Wars theme and then the... I don't know what it's called, but it's the theme when Luke is looking, He's he goes off to sulk and is looking at the two moons. That That's become basically the Force theme. Uh, it, it also in this movie gotcha. was kind of Ben Kenobi's theme. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so like that's play. I, I was definitely just like, there was like two themes that were used throughout this movie and like that was it. <laughs> so and, and again, like coming off of, you know, the Lord of the Rings movies where like, there's themes for the orcs and the Shire and Rohan and, you know, everyone has their own theme, basically. Yeah, their own so motif. That's very funny, yeah. There's not much time for sulking, though, because they are being chased. Um, Luke has to jump into action. This is where I'm a little bit confused because earlier, so he gets on the ship. The like first time they get on the ship, he's pointing at everything and going, what's that do? What's that do? Like, there's a moment that um my guest in our previous episode we made fun of when he goes what's that flashing and then now all of a sudden he's sitting down and he knows exactly how to pilot everything (laughs) yeah i guess just hopping in a gunner chair is a little little different but yeah like luke goes from having never left his desert planet home to uh very capably (laughs) yeah uh, defending the millennium falcon And that's what I was very, that's what I was so confused about is like, where did he get any of this training? Because we see him do this later on too. Um, And my impression was that like, he didn't get to go to the academy or anything yet. And so he's just been, you know, helping his uncle with with this stuff on their farm and so like what does he know about like flying you know spaceships and stuff if he hasn't gotten to like go to college for it yet you know so i was very confused about how all of a sudden he had all this knowledge and everyone's like oh he's the best space pilot around i don't know any of the terms do you want me to (laughs) do you want me to drop some yeah if there's any yeah if there's anything that can like fill in those holes that would be great you're right for the most part it's very much just obi-wan saying like i've heard you've become a very talented pilot yourself and uh, other people vouching for luke uh early on in the film like right after they bought the droids 
Luke is kind of playing with a little toy ship. Uh, that is a model of a ship that you can kind of see in the background of that scene. Uh, so he does have an airspeeder. It won't go into space, but he can pilot uh, and learn to fly on Tatooine. And it <laughs> it just so happens, because some reference book made it so, that that airspeeder was made by the same company that made the X-Wings that he is flying later on. So it's just like okay. the, the controls are basically <laughs> the same. Uh, but yeah, that's all just stuff after the fact someone made Yeah, up. I know it's like such a minor thing for me to like hone in on. But like if it hadn't been pointed out several times that like he's never left his home planet and like he got into the Millennium Falcon and he was, you know, confused by everything. And then now all of a sudden he's like an expert. And uh, to the point that like, even Han is giving him some like compliments on like how well he did, which is a big deal for Han to do at this point. He's really like hyping himself up. Leia's like, oh, please. I'm enjoying all of this banter that they're having. Um, it could be perhaps because one of my favorite tropes is enemies to lovers. And I will shoehorn that into anything I watch, but I'm keeping my eye out for it, especially because Luke and... Han Solo have a conversation as soon as Leia Leia leaves the room. And Luke is like, she's pretty cool, huh? Don't you think? And Han is like, yeah, I guess so. Or whatever. And can see that Luke is interested. And then he goes like, do you think she'd ever go for someone like me? And Luke gets really defensive about it. And then uh, Han Solo kind of like laughs him off or whatever. And so I, I like that moment of like Han seeing Luke have an interest in her and then like you know pulling his leg and, yeah. and like cheese and like getting in on it to to like mess with him <laughs> i i also love that moment <laughs> so are, are you team luke or team han at this point um not i mean not really any team oh, okay. because i would like for leia to just be princess leia on her own i would love for her to exist as her own person and woman, separate from men in this movie, but considering the only other female character was killed off in the first 30 minutes. Um, yeah, we don't... <laughs> that's a pretty like high standard for me to ask for. <laughs> Definitely just like, oh yeah, there was a moment too where they're, when Luke and Leia are running away from the stormtroopers, they're about to like swing across this gap and she like gives him like a very awkward kiss on the cheek. Almost like Carrie Fisher was embarrassed to do it because it was so... It was so quick and like that had to have been the only take they did. And so, yeah, she kisses him on the cheek and goes for luck. <laughs> uh, I actually do think that was the only take they did. I believe there's stories about like that swing and that it's like they did it in one shot. <laughs> so I tried. Um, I uh, I know I read that, too, because I um, had someone spoiler proof a bunch of trivia for me so that I could like read through it all. But there's like, I mean, you know, there's like eight pages of this trivia document. <laughs> so I know I read that at some point too. Yeah. Oh, here it is. Stunt doubles were not used for the scene where Luke and Leia swing to safety. Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill performed the stunt, shooting it in just one take. So there we go. Yeah, it was one take. <laughs> um, They're like, we're not going to redo it for a cheek kiss. We can... <laughs> move on i mean there's a lot of stuff that throughout all the movies especially the ones that george lucas directs i'm like you didn't want to go for a second take on that george no okay <laughs> like he's he's a very fast director and just he's like yeah we got it let's go <laughs> yeah oh my god which 
it's again, I mean, not to bring up Lord of the Rings for the billionth time, but like it's just such the opposite of what Peter Jackson did, where like he famously made Viggo Mortensen kick the helmet, <laughs> you know, multiple times to get just the right take until he finally broke his toes on it, you know, like <laughs> totally opposite direction styles. They uh, there's a scene where uh, Darth Vader is talking to Tarkin and we learned that <gasps> plot twist, they put some kind of a, a tracker on the Millennium Falcon. And then in like the very next scene, Leia and Han are talking and that's when she says like they let us escape. They're tracking us. And Han goes like this ship, not on this ship. And she's like, please. So they're not pulling, you know, the wool over Leia's eyes. So they go to, I don't remember where they go to, but they meet up with the rest of the rebel forces. <laughs> where, uh, where is it that they end up going to? It's called Yavin 4. I yeah. don't think they specifically say Yavin 4 in the movie, but they do talk okay. about uh, it's a moon orbiting a gas giant called Yavin. I do okay. think they say that. Yeah, I remember them talking because at some point the you know a store Tarkin or someone said the Empire says that like the Rebel forces are on a moon or something. Yeah, so they meet up there and they are finally able to deliver R two, um, which was like the whole purpose of like how this like originally all started out was Princess Leia gave these plans to R two D two, um, and he was supposed to be delivered to Obi-Wan and the rebel forces. Um, so finally they get the plans for the Death Star and they have a meeting where they look at the schematics and they find that there's this one weak point in the Death Star and they they come up with a plan to attack and take it out. The only thing of note for, uh, of this scene really was just that um, the main guy leading the conversation says like Princess Leah <laughs> instead uh -huh. of Princess Leia. <laughs> um, so just like, I don't know, this like weird, funny lack of consistency within the same movie. <laughs> Again, George was just like, what'd you say, Leah? I don't care. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we see Han Solo and Chewie are like packing their stuff up and Luke is like, oh, come on, man. Like you have like, you know what we're up. We're up against. You have to stay and fight with us. And they really... Like, they, they really, really, really wanted to make sure that we know that Han only reports to himself and he's, you know, a lone ranger and he does what he wants to do. And like, he's on his own because they just, there's just like so many instances where he, there's a lot of telling rather than showing where like he says things like, well, the only person I care about is me and I, I can't use the reward if I'm dead. And it's like, okay, I, but by this point in the movie, I was like, I get it. I get it. And it was all definitely leading up to like a big point, dramatic point where, you know, inevitably Han is going to like come in at the last minute and, and save the day. But like kind of a nice moment, right as Luke is like, okay, we'll see ya walking away. Han says, may the force be with you. And like, that's like a really big deal for Han to be saying that because earlier we learned that like he's, you know, like an atheist basically. And like, he doesn't believe in this. And he's like, oh, that's a whole, that's a load of hooey. It's like, he doesn't believe in it, but he know Luke does. And he know that it's important to everyone else who's going to fight. And so he kind of says that it's just like a kind of like a peace offering because they've been, you know, bickering this whole time and finally like leaving on a better note. 
We meet Biggs, finally. Um, Luke mentioned him like a billion times in like the first couple scenes uh, with his uncle being like, oh, I want to go to the academy like Biggs and blah, blah, blah. So we meet Biggs um, only for him to be killed like 10 minutes later. Can I just say I was I I lit up when you got excited and said we meet Biggs. I thought I was going to have to like hit pause and bring him up. Big Starklighter is no joke my favorite character in Star Wars. Oh, I hope um, we get a better uh I hope we get more, you know, <laughs> screen time with him on on other stuff then cuz uh, it's very short here. It's it's more personal reasons that I I know we're not on camera but I'm I'm wearing his helmet on my shirt. Oh, you are. I collect everything Bigs that I can. Uh which there's not a ton Bigs ton of Bigs merch, but I have all of it, I think. Uh basically when I was growing up and the first time I saw the movie, that big scene was not in it. Um, yeah, I think I read that it was it was added in later because uh, it was originally a deleted scene. But then audiences were it was like audiences were confused by Luke's reaction to Biggs's ship blowing up. But then you watch it, and Luke doesn't really have a reaction. Yeah, <laughs> his ship. He just turns around and looks at it, and then kind of looks a little sad, and that's it. I, I remember reading about Star Wars uh, and the making of and everything, and finding out that. That Biggs person he kept mentioning, I was like, oh, that's that guy with the mustache at the end. That's that's Luke's best friend. Oh, my gosh. And then you can find pictures of a deleted scene of Biggs on Tatooine and Luke and Biggs meet up. You get to see him in person and Biggs kind of tells him, like, I'm defecting and joining the rebellion uh, and kind of helps set up where Luke is politically at that point. He's a little bit more head in the sand. But Biggs was supposed to be a bigger part of that movie. And so it, it he always had kind of like this mythological uh, thing to me where I was like, I, I only saw pictures of the deleted scene. Couldn't find it back in the early 90s uh, until eventually it was on some CD-ROM. So for some reason, Biggs has always been important to me <laughs> and introduced the idea of deleted scenes to me. And then it really uh, escalated uh, when I got my first like adult dog when I was out on my own in 2009 and I got a beagle and I, for some reason I was like big sounds like a good name for Aww. you and th- at that point I was like nope Biggs is my favorite character now so it- it's a little bit jokey but genuinely I get excited if he ever no, pops that's up in, really a, great. in a book or a comic or something <laughs> hey I'm all for like a deep hyper fixation on like a random side character I gave a hour-long PowerPoint presentation about Bill the Pony from Lord of the Rings excellent <laughs> it, okay so you so i get it. <laughs> I, I was going to ask you if you were familiar with this concept but you already are uh but in star wars it's called a glup shitto uh that has kind of become just a term that we use for, for like hyper fixating on like a tiny detail or character right so uh, glup shitto is kind of a catch-all name for like big stark lighter is my glup shitto he's my hyper fixation uh i believe it came from a tweet where someone was just like poking fun at star wars fans It'll be like some random character will walk through the background of a scene and Star Wars fans will be like, oh, my God, it's Glup Shitto and they'll lose their minds. And so we were like, yeah, we're, we're going to take that term. And, oh, I uh, love that there's a word for it now. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I I fully support and also uh, su- suffer from this as well. Benefit from it. I don't know. I, I partake in this as well. Yes. Have you found one in Star Wars yet? 
in within a new hope is there anyone that jumped out at you um no not not really um i mean definitely just my my favorite character that i that i just like wholeheartedly love a lot is r2d2 right and you know he he's like the side he's a side character and gets even more like shafted to the side when all these other characters start coming in. So I would say like for now, it, it, I guess it would be him. But like he's also like a main kind of like a main, you know, a main character. That's a much bigger character than would would qual- typically qualify for a glub shadow. Glub shadow, yeah. <laughs> glub shadow. Uh, and like there, there will be no lacking for options in star wars like people love every background character in the cantina there's someone i i can't get into like this isn't even a spoiler but i don't want to talk about the empire strikes back but like there are people that fan the fandom has just centered entire things at the con Mm. around and it's like that person had half a second of screen time like um uh, where <laughs> you, do it you'll have the, other options a sim a very similar thing happened with there was a background extra in one of the lord of the rings movies an elf and figwit yes figwit that was it <laughs> yep <laughs> <laughs> and like figwit stood for like fro it's like frodo it's like frodo is wait who is that or something like that frodo is great wait who is that yeah, yeah, so yeah something yeah, like it. that yeah yeah um and it's just, it's literally just like a random elf in one of the first movies and he became so prolific in the fandom that they made him like a legitimate f- character named yep. figwit in the hobbit trilogy <laughs> by the way lord of the rings is like my second favorite fandom so the amount of times you're bringing it up does not bother me at all <laughs> so you don't need to apologize for it and bill the pony is a great choice thank for... you thank you so they they get in these x-wings as i have learned they are called <laughs> most of the time i'm just like spaceship <laughs> that's what it is um so they all get in the x-wings and start you know getting into battle formation they're all signing on there's this little moment where like the leader is you know asking for everyone to call in and they're going like you know like red like red six signing on and then r2 like gives a little beep and i like to imagine that's him signing on as well being like (laughs) r2d2 signing Uh, on (laughs) i love that moment so when you gave me a a couple dates and a couple options for recording and uh I i asked what you were covering on this day and you told me it was the last like 30 minutes and i was like yes it's my favorite part of my favorite movie i love the trench run and the death star attack i i love all of that to death it's so it's just i mean like there's no other way to describe it than just like it's fun it's just it's very fun there was a lot of i had like a lot of weird nostalgia watching this despite the fact that i am I just watched it for the first time like two months ago. Um, But like a lot of this, I was like, this has to be like a ride in the Star Wars land at Disney World or this. I know for a fact this had to have been a video game with like this exact viewpoint of like shooting at these, you know, at these uh, spaceships and an X-Wing and like all these like graphics and stuff like it is so just like immediately like puts you in a time and a place of like, okay, we are in this X-Wing and we are like fighting with them, it feels like. 
you can find several video games <laughs> just based around the trench run alone. Also, like, what a cool name. I, I, I never would have known to call it that, but like, what a cool name for the sequence. The trench run, very cool, very fun. <laughs> and so uh, they're, you know, honing in on the this weak spot in the Death Star. Tarkin is very, you know, sure of himself. And he's like, escape in our moment of triumph. And, you know, we see how that goes later. There's just like a lot of sequences of, you know, one by one, the X-Wings are getting picked off and being blown up in like horrific ways. And we see Luke is like, Again, kind of like inexplicably really skilled at this. <laughs> He's doing like a really great job. And uh, eventually it gets to a point where it's like, it's just Luke, Biggs, and then another guy named like, oh, what's his name? His name is like Hedge or something. Close, yeah. Wedge. Wedge. That was it. That was he, it. He's another uh, fan favorite char yeah. side character. Uh, I'm always the one fighting for Biggs, but people prefer Wedge because I, I think because he survives. <laughs> also i don't know if they picked this name first and then this is just the actor that happened to be lined up with it but the one chubby guy his name is porkins and that just seems kind of mean yeah. to me. <laughs> i don't know i don't know the order of events on that uh but uh, i agree but just like you could have changed the name even if you had already picked it i know it just it seemed very unfortunate so they're like zooming in, as you called it, into the trench. One of the X-Wings gets in earlier and takes a shot at it. And I think they just kind of like hit the surface at first. Um, and so it's like, ah, like there's just like a lot. There's a lot of like build up and action to this. Apparently, there were there was like a lot about this final sequence that was changed in in post. And like there was stuff added how the Death Star is approaching the um the the planet where the rebels are and like they're about to like blow it up um like all while this is happening and there was another sequence where luke goes in and he takes a shot using the like the scope and he misses and then he comes back in a second time to do it and then this is when we hear again that voice so through i think it's multiple times now at this point that we've heard obi-wan saying giving giving advice kind of guiding luke throughout mm -hmm. this and we hear him say use the force luke and then very almost immediately afterwards Darth Vader says, the force is strong with this one. And I was like, those are both lines I recognize. <laughs> You're very right about how much that sequence changed. Uh, George's mm. wife at the time, Marsha, is largely credited with crafting the final sequence because they were originally, yeah, just going to fly out to the Death Star and attack it. But there wasn't any sense of urgency other than the pilots being picked off. But to have that ticking clock of if we don't blow it up, they're going to kill princess leia and everyone down on the moon so uh i, I think they really really changed it for the better mm -hmm. it's yeah it's really effective it's really fun you're you know there's suspense but we're still you know excited to keep watching oh unless i forget iconic han comes in and takes out one of the um ships that's been following them comes in with uh yahoo <laughs> it's so great and like this is like the second or third time he said that in this movie and i love how <laughs> silly it is for a character who is otherwise like very brooding kind of <laughs> luke and leia just cracked that hard exterior shell got into yeah. his heart warmed it love up it. 
Another scream that I love is R2's scream. <laughs> like, he gets shot, um, which is very sad. But, like, the screams that he lets out when he's, like, in danger or he's, like, knocked out or shot are just, like, so... It, it's just, like, very amazing sound effect. Luke uses the Force, and he takes the shot at the Death Star, and boom, it blows up. Wow. It, it's very cool. It's very, it's very cool to watch. And it, it's one of those things that I'm, I should say, like, there are multiple shots during this sequence where you see all the X-Wings and you see everything and the CG looks really bad. It's not like it looks like of a video game from the 90s. So I'm really glad that something for like the Death Star blowing up, they it appears to have been like kept, you know, with the original effects, um, however they chose to do that, because it still looks really cool. It's still like the moment is still really effective. It's the the shockwave version uh, that was added in 1997. The original was just a, a fireball, um, which I, I think I prefer the shockwave as well. Just a little mm -hmm. something extra. Yeah, making it like extra cool and epic. So then, yeah, they land. Oh, we, I, I'm so sorry. I, I glossed over the fact that um, Biggs does get taken out and he dies. So rest in peace, Biggs. We hardly knew ye. <laughs> and so, yeah, they land safely. Um, Leia comes running over. Luke gives her a big hug. Han comes running in. He hugs him too. Everyone's hugging. Everyone's in such a great mood. There's a... Uh, very like sweet moment where they ask if R2 is going to be okay and C3 uh, C3PO says like I'll give anything like if you need like a if you need any nuts and bolts or gears or whatever like I'll give anything to to bring him back and make sure he's okay and it's such a um, sweet like development from like where they were at the beginning of the movie where uh, 3PO is like always chastising R2 and uh, and telling him like how much he hates him and how much trouble they get him into so um, it's really fun to see like those characters develop that way that friendship develop so yeah they kind of go uh, it's essentially like a walk off into a sunset kind of a kind of an ending they all get uh, Luke and Han get honored by Leia. They get these fancy medals. There's this fancy ceremony. Everyone's applauding them. R2 comes rolling out at the end and like beeps and everyone kind of like looks at him and like laughs a little <laughs> bit. I like to think that in that moment, he was saying, where's my medal? Because he was literally in the thick of it. Like at least all the other, even though they all died except for Wedge. Mm -hmm. Was that his name? Yeah. R2 was just like out in the open. <laughs> Like he, he literally, he took a bullet for Luke. Yeah. So where's his medal, you know? Um, where's Chewie's medal? Oh, that's a, I, I, I'm surprised you bring up R2. The, the normal point of contention is that Chewbacca doesn't get a medal. Uh, that's, that's oh, what Oh, he didn't either. Like. No, that's a great point. They deserve medals because they were also there. Yeah. I, I love your point. justice for R2. Uh, I, I agree, but, uh, don't. Chewbacca did get a medal. It was just happened off screen in, oh, okay. in books and comics after the fact. Um, I'm glad they I'm glad they recognize that then. And yeah, everyone's everyone's applauding. Yay! Whoa! And that's how it ends. That's crazy. That's how it begins. That's how it begins. And and that's the end. Dot dot dot. Or is it? Because uh, in an earlier shot, we do see Darth Vader 
escapes. So will we see more of him in the future? Find out on the next episode of Star Wars. I, I wonder what like the post credit scene would have been if this were made in a, in modern day. And mm. I'm like, it, it, I mean, I can't speculate now because. Uh... Yeah. Are there, um, I don't mind you. I don't mind you answering this question for me. In the like more recent movies, are there post credit scenes or is that just like a purely Marvel thing? Nothing in the movies. A couple of the television shows at the end of their seasons mm. have done little teasers, but uh, no movie has had a no post credit scene. Okay. Cool. Interesting. Yeah. And I also like, I wonder what, like, what were they thinking when they. When they started out with this one, they're like, it's just Star Wars. It's just, you know, this one movie. And then Darth Vader survives. So I was wondering, like, I wonder what the original audiences thought when there were, you know, no plans for a follow up or anything. Like, what was their thinking of like, oh, yeah, and Darth Vader gets away. Or if that was something that was maybe like added in later when they decided to make more movies. Um, Because it is like a huge like loose end to leave on like what was supposed to be you know just from the beginning like a one-off movie you know i certainly think lucas hoped that he'd get to make more and there's uh stories about there's a book that came out i think in 1978 a year after star wars george lucas had that story drawn up kind of like a if star wars doesn't do well then we can film this story because it wouldn't have been uh, it wouldn't have needed a big budget or anything. So I think he wanted to continue Star Wars, but then when it blew up, they just had that book and they were like, no, we're doing something else. We're doing something bigger. Okay, gotcha, yeah. Well, yeah, that's uh, that's a new hope. That was, it was like a lot more, I don't know, a lot more fun and charming, I think, than I was expecting. I, again, I'm not, I, I wasn't really sure like what my expectations were going in. I was just kind of like, I guess I'm going to watch Star Wars for the first time. And I, and I did. One thing I will say that I was so pleased to, to discover is that A New Hope is less than two hours. It's uh, like when you take out the credits, it's like, like an hour 45, basically. And I so appreciate that because I'm really over uh, this age of like two and a half, three hour movies. So I, I really love that this is two hours and I'm sure they're only going to get longer from here. So <laughs> I'll enjoy it while it lasts. Uh, they're, they're pretty reasonable. You know, they're, they're up and down in their run times, but I, I don't think that they ever reach some of the modern day blockbusters where you're like, they don't all have to be this long. Whereas like Return of the King was over three hours and there was still stuff cut out, you know, like... <laughs> So insane. That will lead us to this week's segment of Is Carrie Fisher Actually a Badass? I'd heard about this multiple times, um, especially at the time of her death in 2016. Um, people were sharing this story, but um, it's really like fun to finally get the full context and, and know exactly what this was talking about. Filming this movie, her breasts were taped down with gaffer tape um, because her costume did not permit any lingerie to be worn underneath. For anyone out there who has never put gaffer tape on their boobs, it's very painful. <laughs> um, so I can imagine how uncomfortable that would have been. In her book, 
she later shared, that George Lucas explained the reason Leia didn't wear underwear was because in space you become weightless, but then your body expands, but your bra doesn't, so you get strangled by your own bra. This led Fisher to quip, I want it reported in my obituary that I drowned in moonlight, strangled by my own bra. (laughs) What a beautiful piece of poetry, honestly. Um, I would also like it reported that I drowned in moonlight, strangled by my own bra as well. I love her sense of humor that she brought to this situation and, and like the wit that she brought about it. And what a great way to remember her legacy. Drowned in moonlight, strangled by her own bra. So that will conclude this week's segment of Is Carrie Fisher Actually a Badass? I'll say, wait until you probably watch at least through the prequels. But uh, when George Lucas was honored by the American Film Institute, she came out and did a speech and basically just roasted him. And it's really funny. <laughs> it, I mean, like this quote from him, in space, you become weightless, but then your body expands, but your bra doesn't. What are you talking about, George? <sighs> that it truly sounds like a man who honestly has maybe never seen a breast in his life, but... <laughs> <laughs> he was married. He was married he at was the married, time. I so don't know. Presumably, don't know, we can assume that's not true. Why did his wife not ever step in and be like, George? Stop it. Why did you why did you say that? What did you mean? <laughs> I mean, but the way that that quote was written though, there were like multiple there were like ellipses in it. There were multiple question marks. So I get the impression that even as he was saying it, he was confused about what he was saying. <laughs> that was so much fun. Thank you Alex so much for joining me to close out this first chapter of of Star Wars. Um technically of course our fourth episode as I have been like told multiple times, it's not the first movie. It's actually the fourth movie. Alex, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, I am mostly on YouTube at Star Wars Explained, uh, where I basically do this every day. I talk about how much I love Star Wars, not just the movies, but also the the shows, live action and animated, the video games, the books, the comics, like stuff is coming out every month. Um, and I, I like to celebrate all of it. I like to answer random questions like uh why did obi-wan stop being a distraction and just let himself die like uh i i like trying to figure out the answers to stuff like that so uh we put videos out every single day over at star wars explained oh that's so awesome i wish i could watch every one of those videos <laughs> but i cannot i assume that there is also lots of bigs content over there <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, more than there should be. More than any more other than channel, be, for yeah. sure. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So listeners, um, if you enjoyed Alex on this episode, which I have, go check out his stuff. If you, you know, want to take a deeper dive into Star Wars land verse, um, <laughs> go over there, learn about all that stuff, learn about bigs. Well, again, Alex, thank you so much for joining me. This has been a blast. Now, before we can blow up the Death Star, you got to Skywalk Before You Run. Skywalk Before You Run is hosted and edited by me, Mary Clay Watt. The cover art and music is by Jason Hilton. Follow the podcast on Instagram and threads at Skywalk Before You Run. Follow me on TikTok and Twitch at MCWhatsApp and on Instagram at MCTurnDownForWatt. Go to patreon.com slash TolkienAboutPod to become a supporter of this podcast, join the Deus Ex Media Discord server, and gain access to bonus material. This podcast is a proud member of the Deus Ex Media Network.